0: Good evening, my friends. I don't know why I just said that. It's 3.53 p.m. here. That's very bizarre. Anyway, we're going to roll with it. Good evening, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Mindmate Podcast. This is episode 59, and I've got that 100 number sign. Oh, I'm looking at it. I want it. I want it. I want it. And, uh, yeah, I'm pumped to get it. (laughs) So stick around with me guys. Let's, let's, let's aim for another 41 episodes. Uh, but episode 59 here, becoming who you were born to be with Elise Carr. And Elise is a veteran of the show. This is her second time on the show, but I really wanted her back on, um, so that we could do it in person. And, um, you know, things were always better in person, although technology is getting pretty good. And a lot of my Skype guests are, um, are really bloody good too. But Elise, um, I met her through a friend of mine, and she's um, a true friend now too. And you know, it was really good. If you guys wanted to watch this, you can just head to my YouTube channel, and the whole all of the episodes are up there for your viewing pleasure. So please don't feel afraid to do that. I wanted to call this, oh, that was my that was my mail. <laughs> we'll keep that one. Um, yeah, so I wanted to call this one Becoming Who You Were Born to Be because you know. If you've been following the show over the past couple of months, we've been looking into trauma. Um, we've been looking into kind of how we change in response to um, negative experiences from the environment. You know, we become certain people based on what pe- other people, you know, say or think we say, you know, should be so we tend to validate ourselves more in those specific aspects of the self we tend to suppress other aspects that we deem unworthy and we become like this fragmented individual and you know a lot of the war a lot of the work specifically in esoteric psychology which is what um, Elise carr is is fascinated with is goes into kind of looking into that you know kind of uh, let's pretend you're in a jar you want to be looking at from the outside in at the jar, looking at yourself and being like, oh, wow, this is who I am. This is, you know, we're doing a life audit. This is who I've become in response to what has happened to me, what what I think I need to do to conform to society's standards or whatever it is. And, um, and you know, if that person who you've become is in any way distinct from who you want to be, then you have work to do. And we all have work to do. We, we are all, you know, not the best we could be possibly be. And I feel that if you live life correctly, you grow and, grow and grow and grow and grow and grow until you are so close to being who you want to be and then you die. But that's what life is. Life's about the growing and the journey and the push forwards and the development and the people you meet along the way and all the lessons and the failures. You know, That's the good shit. That's what life is. It's about embracing all of that and finding a reason to embrace all that. Obviously, we can go into details about purpose and meaning. You know, we won't get stuck into that now, but that's what I think is the the crux of this sort of stuff. You know, digging away, getting rid of all of those conditioned responses, those unconscious programs that that are built into us from, you know, I mean, some people have had trauma when they were fucking in utero because the umbilical cord was wrapped around their neck. It's crazy, but we're trying to dig away at all that stuff so that we can become who we are and make positive change. A lot of this podcast is about all that so we we looked into what jesus and the buddha taught you know symbols of love and truth we looked into addiction we looked into habit change why it is so difficult to change habits and you know what for all the fellows out there we looked into what true love is um from the woman's perspective it doesn't have to be male or female can be male male but you know masculine um feminine what's what's the what's the other side we looked at from from the feminine side um because obviously I'm a fella <laughs> what what love is and that was um that was really insightful and and um, I think it's going to be insightful for you too guys uh, a bit of housekeeping stuff you know if you've been listening to the the podcast I, I love saying housekeeping shit now it's good housekeeping housekeeping uh, my mate counseling is officially a go um, i just got the logo done by my legendary mate Kieran Razka if you do like the logo awesome thank you and um, I can put you into contact with him. He does awesome graphic design work. But it's up and running. Um, I can't wait to uh, to be working with people, be working with you. If you would like to have a chat with me, that would be legendary. If you want to have a chat to me about speaking to someone else, I have a cool network and hopefully I can put you in contact with the best person for you. You know, I put up a post on my Mindmate Counseling Instagram page a couple of days ago. It's not my quote. Um, I actually got it from Masten Kip, but I'd read it before. And it was basically, we should look at therapy like we look at going to the gym. You know, you're strengthening the mind muscle. It's not because you're ruined in the head or there's something wrong with you. Um, it's because you want to get better. You know, it's the other side of the coin. And that's what keeps me up and about is having conversations like this on the podcast, but having conversations about maybe what I've learned um, through my studies anecdotal experiences, although I don't tend to focus on the personal stuff. You can read about it, but I tend to just focus on what my studies and my therapy and my interactions on the interviews have, have, have taught me and trying to bring about positive change, you know, and there could be something in life that is really weighing you down, but you're just not seeing it from the right angle. And maybe if I could help you see that in the right angle, or if it's not me, if it's someone else, I'm just encouraging you to ask for help and not be afraid to ask for help. You know, we evolve socially We need to ask for help. It's really, really important. So, if that is you, reach out to me. And, like I said, if it's not me, it could be someone else that I know. Um, Until the outro, enjoy the podcast. The Pale Blue Dot. I know this is a weird way to start the podcast, right? But, like, the night before, you floss and you brush and you smell like literally heaven. Sounds great. Well, I, I definitely tongue-scrap, I always show. make sure that I tongue scrape. that's the most mm-hmm. important thing I reckon, but then I wake up the next morning and I smell like a bin in my mouth, I'm like hi Sean, she's like hi Tom, like, but you're together like that, yeah, it doesn't really matter, exactly the smell is just, it's unified, it's still love. <laughs> I know, well Lisa, thank you so much for coming back on, thanks
1: for having me Tom, it's round a two, pleasure. yes, yep. round
0: two, I know it's good I, I wanted to do one in person, um, ever since we did the one in France, because Skype podcasting is good, but this is better. It is better, much better. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And I appreciate the drinking as well.
1: Yeah, you don't get elixirs when you're in France. I well, know. I mean, they probably are onto it now. They
0: weren't when I lived there. Yes, I know. No, we didn't. We didn't get this um, when we were there. We got um, what did we get? We got some good kind of whole-fed meat and you know nice dairy and all that sort of stuff. But I think this probably would take the cake slightly. It's good. Okay, so the first question I had for you, I want to dive right into it. Yeah. I made a snippet um, for our podcast last time and I just found it um, from a talk that you gave and you were talking about Jesus and you were talking about the Buddha and you were saying how Jesus spoke of love and and Buddha spoke of truth Mm -hmm. and if we had those two together within ourselves and within the collective we'd, I think you said we'd achieve world peace or something like that and I wanted to ask you to dive into kind of what they were teaching a little bit more and why that's so important in this day and age. Yeah.
1: I think to understand also, starting off, I'm not religious. Mm-hmm. I've never associated it. I mean, I didn't even use the word God really until like probably five minutes ago. Yeah, um, that's our, true. That's true. conception <laughs> of it, right? Yeah, yeah. So just to understand that first and foremost, because unfortunately, religion has been misconstrued and it's, it's misinterpreted. And these brilliant masters who walk the face of the earth, their ultimate teaching, that essence has been so lost and so distilled that... We don't understand the power of it. Mm. So these teachings are here, and yet we don't embody them. And yeah, as I kind of mentioned, you know, whether you see it as Jesus or the Christ working through Jesus, that was about loving one another. Mm-hmm. Understanding that you, know, you or someone in Guatemala or someone who's in America or here, we're all the same in that sense. We still have a soul, even though our skin color or our gender or our religion or whatever is different. Mm. It's really irrelative, but... We seem to focus much on that. So to love one another is fundamental. And yet, even if we just think of it, number one, it's logical and easy and simple and it's so much a throwaway almost. Yep. Yet, we don't do it. We don't actually love someone. And love, not the concept of, oh my God, I love you, and you have to have romantic involvement with everyone. It's love in the sense of the esoteric or the yogic or the Buddhist interpretation or the true Christian interpretation, Mm. which is selfless service. It means... Giving of yourself selflessly for another because you know that they are you. Yes. There's that, that's love. Love is like the glue of the cosmos, of the universe. It binds and brings everything together. It's not, oh my gosh, you're so hot, I love you, I want you. That's not even love. Mm. That's just primal animal desire and (laughs) (laughs) attraction. But we're so pumped and sold and manipulated through all different media streams and all of that, that love is just romantic. And that love is desire and love is, you don't get anything from me unless you give me something. What are you mm. going to give me? That means you love me. So we've misinterpreted his entire message or the entire message that he brought because we're, we're listening to everything else. Like I call this kind of playing in the kiddie paddle pool or in the mud in the playground. We're stuck there yeah. instead of seeing the truth, which is on the mountain, which is all in the deep end of the pool.
0: No, that's good. We're yeah. stuck
1: here in this desire nature space. And in that same talk, I talked about the the mind and the emotions and the body, and we're so stuck in our chitter-chatter thoughts, our emotions and how we feel, and, and pleasures and sensations of the body, that we miss all these amazing teachings that have been around far longer than even we realize. Yes. So, unfortunately, the Christ teaching through Jesus, that got lost, and the same thing with the Buddha. Although, interestingly enough, more so now, the West has kind of adopted and interpreted and kind of skewed it to modern times, some, you know, Buddhist values or some, you know, simple teachings in some ways, but still skewed it to what it how we want it to be, yeah, how yeah. it needs to fit into that box to sell the book. Yes. You know, like the art of dying doesn't seem to sell as much as how to live and find happiness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we need to both. Yes. But you know Meditation
0: the, is great, pay for this app. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay.
1: And is it meditation or is it just like feel good for a few minutes while we hum with a little sitar? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, totally. It's
1: meditation is meditation. Mm. Another another conversation. Yeah. But you know, the Buddha spoke of suffering. And that suffering is like what we just touched on before in the kitchen. Mm. Suffering is part of the human condition. We learn through suffering, but we choose to do that. Mm. It's like you put your hand on something hot when you're little and you take it back because it burns. But what do you do? You're still curious. No, I'll try it you try it again. You get burned again. It happens in relationships. It happens in how we show up in so many different ways in our life. We keep putting ourselves in positions of suffering. Mm. And that means because we do suffer, we feel bad and it hurts. So we want to find a way to stop that hurt, to, so- to stop the suffering. So we reach for external things. We reach for sex or drugs or food or alcohol or stuff. Or maybe it's a title, you know, at work so that you're the highest form of whatever you do. Mm -hmm. All this stuff we grab and it's like grasping for smoke because you can hold it for a moment and then you open your hand and it's gone. Mm. That pleasure, that hit, the high, it lasts a second and you're back to suffering. Because you're back to suffering, you go back to find something to stop that. And it's a very dark, (laughs) kind of dead-end spiral that we're in. Mm -hmm. And for some people, they can just stay in the space where every weekend they just go get smashed and buy stuff and they go back to work. And it's, you know, it's not thriving, it's surviving. And they kind of work to live. But there's some people who can't control that and the addictive state takes over. And that suffering can be their entire life, you know. Mm -hmm. And we see that in all different forms of mental health or mental illness. Yep. But it's partly the world we live in, partly what we've constructed to encourage the desire nature to want to get out of control and therefore suffering has to happen because you have to want something to make you feel better. Yes. So we've lost track of the Buddha explaining to us that we have to go beyond that space. We have to understand that nothing here, these material things we're searching outside ourselves are ever going to nourish us Mm. or bring us happiness, let alone a state of joy we speak of the heart, it's joy or bliss that you hear of when you might have read something about Buddhism. They speak of bliss. They speak of nirvana. That's enlightenment. That's got to be body, heart, mind all the way. Yeah. So you're never going to get there. You're lucky if you get a fleeting moment of that grasping smoke of happiness. Oh, and it's gone. Mm. Mm. So we haven't embraced either of those teachings understand that we need to love one another we need to yes love ourselves some people say it's where they start the people they find it easier to learn to love someone else and then they learn to love themselves it doesn't matter where you start yeah. it's all one and then the other side understand that nothing outside yourself is ever going to satisfy and cure the suffering mm. it's actually killing off the desire nature as we talk about in esoteric work that i do or in esoteric psychology it's learning to stop feeding that little child that always wants toys And instead, feed the higher part of you. Feed the part of love by selfless service. Feed the mind by learning or educating or trying to find a different way to understand the world, yourself, Mm -hmm. know thyself. Yes. You know, and if we can start also, and also look after the physical body in whatever way that is, sleep and food and exercise and sunlight and water and all those things. So if you start to kind of look after yourself, physically, emotionally, mentally, you actually don't want those mundane quick fixes mm-hmm. as much because you're in a better place to make more conscious, wiser choices and consciousness, however you want to term it, whether it's spiritual or not, is the path that essentially we all want to go on. That highest version of us mm-hmm. wants to go on something that has substance, something real. We want real love. We want real connection. We want real intimacy. Mm-hmm. We want real nourishment. We want to feel technically connected to ourselves and someone else and ultimately everything. Yeah, And that unity is, Everything that I study and teach, whether it's from the tantric part, or the yogic part, the Buddhist part, the esoteric part, all roads lead to Rome mm-hmm. in that concept, and the true, authentic teachings of the Christ through Jesus and the Buddha, what they brought to this world, embody that entirely.
0: Yeah, it. You made me um, think of what you were saying before about desires, because you know that um, to grow in in life and have to think about who you are and what you want to do, there is going to be some desire there. Do, yeah. do, you, do you think it's about Kind of reflecting and making sure that you know what desires to aim for, and like almost, almost like choose your suffering in a sense. Yeah, choose,
1: suffering. <laughs> choose, suffering. choose yeah, your suffering. Choose suffering. I love it. menu. Choose your suffering. Welcome. I'll have. Um, uh <laughs>
0: Does that come with avocado? <laughs> organic
1: avocado. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Sorry.
0: That's suffering. <laughs>
1: For some. Yeah. I think it's understanding there are lower nature desires and there are higher desires. Yeah. Yeah. And it's where we're putting the emphasis. Just like that story that most of us have heard of by now about the grandfather that speaks to his grandchild about the two wolves that are within us, the white wolf and the black wolf, mm. you know, and that they're always at warfare. And, and the grandchild's like, well, which one wins, grandfather? And the grandfather says, the one should be the grandmother as well, should I? mean mm. change the story now. Yeah.
0: So, the grandparent.
1: The grandparent yes. says to the grandchild, yes. Whichever one you feed, my love. You know, so if we keep feeding that lower desire nature, keep buying the stuff and looking for all those external quick fixes, however that looks for you, Mm. you're not nourishing a higher desire. That higher desire really maybe for ultimate intimacy in your relationship with your current beloved. That higher desire for Mm. purpose in what you do every day because you're just rocking up to work and getting a paycheck and you actually don't believe in what you do, Mm. have any joy from it, let alone happiness from it. We need to shift. That's what kind of talked about I guess with the the wolves is instead of feeding this you feed this or you feed this yeah you know ultimately you feed your physical emotional and mental bodies and you do it in a healthy way not an unhealthy way so that you reach a state of more harmony more peace more alignment more connection to who you are understanding that these are vehicles yeah that you're not your body that you're not your emotions that you're not the chitter-chatter in your mind you're none of that how fast does your thought like process change oh yeah this conversation how fast do our emotions change even our body changes it's designed to decompose eventually Mm. so nothing stays the same we're in this constant state of change hence energy in motion Mm. right? but we try so hard to keep on to things keep them the same to grip and find that eternal lasting happiness because we're meant to be happy Mm. no, you're not meant to be happy and especially if you keep going for lower desire nature, quick fixes, you're never going to be happy because nothing will ever satisfy. Yes. Nothing you do outside yourself will ever sustain. It can't. The only thing that can sustain is saying that is true. That is of real love, of real wisdom, of real beauty. And in lots of the philosophies and schools of thought and studies I do, that connects to soul or to spirit or to God or whatever you want to term it. Something that is real and eternal. Yeah. Because this meat suit isn't eternal. Yeah. Your emotions aren't eternal. Your thoughts aren't eternal. Nothing in this world, no stuff you can buy, not even the experiences you have. Because you're like, oh yeah, I did that when I was 12. That was really cool, but I don't really remember too much about it. Yeah. It's all, it's all gone. But you can use certain things to help you. Our studies can help us. Our daily practice and routines, the way we live our life can all help us if we're going in the right direction. Mm. Not spiraling back down into old habits and addictions and behaviors of things that just don't serve us in any capacity. So it's high desire or low desire. And I also get my clients to ask themselves two questions in this space, especially if they have addictive personalities, especially if they're trying to overcome even just a habit or a pattern, let alone an extreme addiction. And that's in that moment, which can be hard. Sometimes people have to do it after the fact, after they've done it or while they're doing it or ideally, let's say before. This is the ideal point. Not everyone's there, but let's just say for the sake of argument, before you're about to eat that whole block of chocolate yeah. or spend $5,000 <laughs> like $5, on something you don't have yes. or need, um, you ask yourself, you know, is this right? And that right is is in alignment with your morals and truth and values, all those kind of things. That's what right with a capital R is. Is it right. right for me, all I am, right? And is it right for the greater good? And that greater good in that moment could be for your partner. It could be for your community. It could be for your children. Because whatever you choose to do isn't just going to affect you. Mm. It could be even the world. Like, I'm going to go buy this amazing plastic device. It's like, does the world need more plastic? Yeah. Answer is no, my friend. it
0: Doesn't.
1: Uh, yeah. But we have to understand that this podcast
0: is sponsored by a plastic <laughs> company. I should just mention that. <laughs> we'll let we'll it all loose. <laughs> Don't tell Elise. Yeah. Um, she walks
1: out. Um, just understanding the consequences of your actions. There is cause and effect. This is an esoteric law. It's a universal law. What goes out must come back. Yes. So we have to understand the power of our actions, but also the power of our emotions mm. and our thoughts. We don't really understand that to the full capacity either.
0: Oh, definitely not. And you're so right about this, this kind of like pursuit of happiness idea because it's so transient. It's so relative. Like if I hadn't had a drink of water in 20 hours and I was, you know, really thirsty, happiness for me would be a glass of water, Yeah. you know, or depending on whatever situation it would be. So then what is the, because we're really fed that pursuit of happiness idea, you know, and I think um, even if you just think about it again, it's just kind of like, wow, number one, I know that if I look back in my life, all of the growth and who I am now, and there's going to be parts of you that you like and parts of you that you want to work on and all this sort of thing. But all the stuff that taught me a lot was when I wasn't very happy, you know, like they were really good. It was good to like experience that. So what do you reckon is a good thing to aim for then? If it's not happiness.
1: Yeah. You could even just choose to let go of that word. Aim. Because sometimes we have these expectations and we're just trying to get to this end point Mm -hmm. instead of actually enjoying the learning process or let's call it the journey.
0: Yes. So
1: sometimes having no expectations, and now that doesn't mean you are aimless and don't have goals and don't have desire to, high desires to reach certain achievements, not at all. But that's not where all the emphasis is put. You know you've got a destination to reach, amazing. And you're working towards that, but along the way, there is so much richness. Mm. There might be suffering and you might tumble and fall, but then you pick yourself up and you process that hurt or that pain or you get help to do it and off you go again. Mm. And it's what you learn along the way because I believe we are accumulation of our experiences. And if they are experiences that have hurt people, you're gonna have to pay for that karmically. If they're experiences that have helped enriched you and you have been someone who has devoted your life to let's say meditation, study and service, on you go, my friend. Yeah. But let's not be fooled to think that any path at all is going to be roses Mm. and tulips or whatever you want, unicorns. sticks. I want unicorns. Rolls Royces. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You can have
0: Rolls Royces.
1: (laughs) But we have to see the duality of this world, that's Mm -hmm. part of it. And the duality is we have summer and winter and we have masculine and feminine, we have day and night. So we have to understand that you can't have one without the other. Mm. So like you talked about, you got some amazing lessons in life from some of the suffering.
0: Mm-hmm, Sometimes definitely.
1: the most painful and horrific and devastating and almost like how am I ever gonna get out of this? Moments, mm-hmm. experiences, periods. We call them dark night of the soul, which often they last more than a night. Mm-hmm. They are the most revelatory, dynamic, life changing, for the better experiences we go through. Mm-hmm. And Unless we went through that, we wouldn't be who we are now. We wouldn't perhaps be on a conscious path or be just more aware, be yeah. more discerning. And that's another word I kind of wanted to touch on is when it comes to this and this pursuit of happiness, you've got to use your discernment, which comes back to what's right for me and what's right for the greater good. Yeah. We discern which way to go. We discern if I'm just going to try and spend a life of happiness. So I'm just going to you know, take drugs and party and be with excuse me, chicks or guys or whatever it is and you know, happy, happy, happy. Well, that path's gonna lead you to loneliness, my friend. You know, disconnect, and all your things that come with it, let alone the physical and emotional issues. So, discerning what is right for you on this path, understanding what happiness is, understanding what joy is, understanding what bliss is, understanding where you really want to go. Because mm. even if you're just aiming for happiness, I'm like, you're aiming too low, my friend. Yeah, like,
0: that's good. I like that. Yeah. You're
1: stuck in the kiddie play pool. Mm. You're stuck in the mud. You're not going to be climbing, climbing up, like descents, big work, and probably down a few valleys and up again a few times, or like swimming, you know, upstream to get to the deep end, the dive end, to like really penetrate your world, start to know who you are, why you're here. I mean, there is so much to explore in life as we've touched on that if you stay in the paddle pool, just searching for happiness in Mm. stuff, wow, you're missing out on so much.
0: Yeah. It's strange to me that, you know, you use the word esoteric, but none of what you just said, I mean, it's all very straightforward. It's, it's like, you, you haven't hit a point that Lisa and I can you know, because one thing I love to do with my guests is try to play devil's advocate. This is why I love podcasting, because I get to learn. And everything you said there is just like, that makes perfect sense, you know. So it should make what, perfect sense. Well, yeah. So what are we missing there? Like, why is this so esoteric?
1: Because we're not doing it, number one. Right. Because and it's hard to
0: look at almost as well, maybe. And... Yeah,
1: we haven't actually faced the reality. You know, an esoteric path is a path fighting for truth. Mm. It's a scientific path seeking truth. Do you really want the truth? I'm giving you a truth. Do you want it? You're mm. like, yeah, I do, but I'm not going to do that. Yeah, yeah. So for you, it'll stay mundane. You, the collective, whoever's listening. Yeah. Right. So it depends how many veils or layers you pull back to actually get to the heart of it. Yep. We're talking somewhat simple so that we digest it, but at the same time, even just trying to do that isn't easy. Mm if you actually gave up all your habits and addictions, so well, let's say for me, you know, years ago, I gave up dairy and meat and sugar and alcohol, which I didn't really drink much of anyway, but didn't mind a glass of champagne. I'm going to say I'm living in France. <laughs> and, you know, all those kind of things, let alone buying stuff or having certain needs that you realize they're irrelevant. And I chose to give them up, not just for myself, but if I'm going to be a clear channel, and I don't mean like someone who's going to channel spirits, but like, mm. you know, a vehicle that yes. can like be of service for people, then I want to be as clear as I can, not just for me, but for them. So starting to embrace that concept of you are here greater, you know, for greater reasons than just yourself yep. It's also understanding that it's not just about you. Mm. And you can look at that as esoteric or not. It doesn't have to be. It depends how far deep down the rabbit hole we go. But we often, in a mundane, everyday world, focus on happiness or what's really popular in the new age is more the mystical path or the devotional path. Mm. Where you're praying to the gods and goddesses, praying to the moon, which is a dying planet for the record, has no light of its own. It gets the light from the sun, yet we still think the moon's amazing. Wow. Um, a little bit of esoteric trivia there. For yeah,
0: you. yeah, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah,
1: and I'll never stuck, look at the
0: moon the same now. You won't. Yeah,
1: you're still stuck in the paddle pool, but in a more new agey way. But it's still stuff. Yeah, you're still looking for the sage sticks and the crystals and the healing bowl. You know, it's still. It's still mundane. Mm. It's still physical and tangible. We still haven't got to actually bypassing the body physically, emotionally, and mentally, but we can't bypass until we've done the work. Mm. So we can't get to that space where we are completely aligned in one doing actual esoteric meditation, as an example, where you're using complete laser focus to hold a point of tension on a seed thought, a seed thought like a mantra okay. to align yourself with that vibration, with the energy of that. How can you actually do that if you were drunk the night before? Yeah, You have so much debt, you're in a relationship that's toxic, you have no connection to being able to healthily explore and express your emotions, and you eat junk food all the time. Mm, That's a good point, that's
0: a really good point.
1: Yeah, we have to understand the journey to get where we need to go. So it's not as if there isn't hints of little esoteric things that I'm sharing here, but we have to do the work to get there. Yes. So until we've actually aligned ourselves cleared ourselves done our work with our physical body that vehicle the emotional body and the mental body and worked on that and it's consistent work mm-hmm. right you've got to get to a certain point and then you've got to keep it up yeah then you're ready for something of a higher caliber to actually do proper meditation let's say mm-hmm. Raja Yoga which is that's the meditation I practice but I didn't start there and I could be there for life mm-hmm. you know until we get to the next phase which might even be beyond humanity in this turn of the cycle
0: mm-hmm.
1: so it's just understanding where we're at being okay with that accepting that and being real with ourselves yeah. that's why truth to me is so important because you're like yeah, yeah i'm hyper spiritual like we talked about before yeah. right? like i take celery juice all the time. <laughs> it cures everything so spiritual so spiritual <laughs> yeah
0: too too spiritual but not on Fridays
1: and saturdays but the rest yeah exactly. super spiritual
0: exactly yeah you know
1: we've got to be honest with ourselves that's mm. where we're at and that's okay yeah but let's not pretend it's something it's not and and try and live this like yogic lifestyle or buddhist lifestyle be curious about it do your work but Mm. also face your reality who you really are in the mirror your truth and start there do Mm. you need to clean up your physical act your emotional act or your mental act or each of them do with a little bit of love
0: yes definitely time and work because that's the hardest part though I i feel like especially um in my experience at least but just being totally real with yourself you know like you said looking in the mirror i mean that's that's figuratively speaking, but also very, it can be literal. Like looking at yourself and being like, I'm not who I would like to think I am. You know, how do you deal? I'm actually interested in your experience with you saying before that you like a glass of champagne and all that sort of stuff. Um, how did you a come to realize that this was actually more of the addiction side of things as opposed to being like, I'm human and I can actually enjoy this. And then what did you do to, to transcend that addiction, if you want to use that word?
1: Yeah, I guess I can honestly say I don't believe I've ever been addicted to anything okay. in my life. I've had a very strong mind in the sense of willpower. If I make a choice and it's, that's it, we're done, I don't go back. Mm. Not everyone's like that. No. And, and I, I understand that. It's just part of my personality, part of my nature. So for me, when I've made a choice, well, let's say it's even ending a relationship where I still love that person, but mm. it's not right and I've probably stayed too long, I can then go, no, I understand that we're done. And I'm, I'm out. Really? 100%. Yeah. And that's it. God, I, I wish know? I
0: could do that. That's...
1: But it, it might've taken a while to get to that point, yes. but I get to that point. Right. You know, and you know, if there was a crisis and they needed me, of course I'd help. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, you know, we're done for all intents and purposes. Um, with champagne, I was doing more tantric study and esoteric study at the time or well, preparing myself, big pardon for it, like a couple months leading up to it. And I just thought I need to be completely pure. I don't do coffee and obviously you no know, meat and dairy, those kind of things. That yeah. was a choice. Uh, I'm not saying that's for everyone, that was my personal choice, but I felt this was one thing that I actually didn't need. Mm. And even though I enjoyed it, like every second weekend to have like two glasses of champagne on the beach with my beloved, I loved that, but I thought to myself, what do I love? I love the idea that it seems sophisticated. I love the idea that it reminds me of my second home, which is Paris. Right. I love the idea, the idea, the idea, this concept, this feeling, this thing I was chasing, which mm. didn't last anyway. Yeah. It wasn't just the champagne buzz. And I did get a little buzz after one
0: because
1: <laughs> that was me. But I realized I didn't need it. And so I made a commitment. And it wasn't like, that's it, never again. I'm just like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm done. Mm. And I thought, you know, I might I might go back after the training, but I never did because I changed Because I realised who I really am and why I'm here And if I'm here to serve, I'm here to be a clear conduit Mentally and emotionally And physically to work with people And to serve and to help Then I need to be the biggest, brightest version of me Mm. And alcohol impinges the mind Alcohol impinges the brain Alcohol impinges your emotional reactions Your physical responses, everything Mm. Um, Even yes, one glass Not to the extent that one bottle would But it's accumulative And I want to have as pure a vehicles as I can Mm. So in that sense it was easy But if we're just using the champagne concept as an example, you know, months after that, there was a couple of times where we'd go past like a store and be like, oh, and it's like a sunset and going to the beach, and it's like that's the old pattern. It's like, oh, let's get champagne, a picnic, and go to the beach. And I was like, yeah, I know my lower nature would love that right now, but there's no way I'm going to do it Mm. because I'm not giving in. I'm not feeding that wolf, and I wouldn't, and I haven't. Wow. I didn't go back on that, and it's been years now. Wow. And but I must say, like that first probably year and a half. I was tested Yeah You know And it's and then you go to someone's engagement party Or whatever it is And and I'm drinking sparkling water now It's like wow. I celebrate with San Pellegrino Or yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. whatever it is And I'm okay with that it's just knowing that I don't choose to feed that part of me because it doesn't serve. Yep. And I actually can look then ahead of it and go, if I did and I maybe I really enjoyed it, how would I feel after? Mm-hmm. I'd be really disappointed that I've been going for years now and all of a sudden I've gone back. And I know it's just one slip and let's be honest, when we're trying to beat habits, old patterns, or especially if you do have an addictive nature or you are addicted to a substance, yep. or whatever it is, you will slip. It is natural to go back. Most people who are in that space go back. There's only a very small percentage of people that can make that choice and never go back. Yes. So I am an extreme case, this example. I'm not by any means, you know, trying to make that sound amazing. It's just, you know, part of my nature. Everyone's different. Mm. But we do have to be realistic if we're trying to break habits. We've got to be gentle with ourselves and know that it's not easy. Mm. And that most likely we are going to slip, but it's picking ourselves up after we do. Mm. And then using that discernment, the right choices, the right actions, and knowing, okay, I did that, but... I'm not going to do it again Mm -hmm. and really working towards that maybe next time it will take you six months and you might have another slip and then next time you can do it for a year and then next time you're on your way Mm. you know most addictions actually take at least a year of conscious work working with someone whether it's a psych or a counsellor or someone to guide you at the same time as doing the work yourself so that's kind of, I guess, a real perspective also of not just the extreme perspective that I was, I guess.
0: Yeah. And I think what's fascinating about addiction as well is that, especially with the movement now, you know, lots, lots of people are kind of standing up against that whole war on drugs idea and kind of having a look at what's going on here. Why can, why can people be fed, you know, chemically pure morphine when they have a sore knee in, in hospital and then come out of that and not be addicted to heroin? But these people on the street, you know, that are buying terrible terrible heroin, mm-hmm. to constantly and they're looking at the idea of that, you know, addiction is a it's a it's a solution to a problem, like a deep hurt that happened and it was it was it was trying trying to fix a hole, fill a hole that mm-hmm. that um that hasn't been filled based on mm-hmm. some sort of traumatic event and, and all that sort of thing. Um do you think with addiction, seeing as we're on addiction now because sure. it's a fascinating subject, um and it hits home personally as well. Mm-hmm. Um do you think that much of it or at least some of it comes down to I guess visualizing an idea of who you could be if this no longer was in your life Mm -hmm. because from what it sounded like just listening to you talk then you were so clearly able to be like look I can feel like the champagne and it's a beautiful thing like having a champagne with the one you love on the beach is awesome you know but I have this clear goal in mind of who I want to be and what I want to do in life. And if I give in to that champagne or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. you know, um, no matter how big or small it is on the spectrum, it's just going to take me a little bit longer to get to what I do. So having a clear vision, um, how important is that?
1: Yeah. I think if you're in that moment, especially if you're about to do it moment, if you have the willpower and the strength to remind yourself of that. And I work with clients in a moment like this, whether it's clients who are addicted to sex or pornography. Or making wrong choices at the detriment of their relationships or their business, sometimes it is that ability to pause. And I did mm. touch on before, we either pause before we're doing it because we know I really want to do this right now. I want to leave work and I want to go see a prostitute, mm. or I want to go see that guy I should be seeing because I have a boyfriend, or mm. I want to spend money at gambling, whatever it is, right? That or urge. it's just, yeah, whatever yeah. that is for you, however it looks, there's so many different ways it looks, right? And I'm not saying everyone necessarily in this place is an addict. They just might have either impulsive behavior or they might have just bad habits and patterns that are causing harm, harm to themselves, harm to others. Segway. If you're causing harm to anyone, you're not truly living a spiritual path. Definitely, definitely. Buddhism, yoga, esoteric, everyone talks about harmlessness. So if you can pause before you do it and then ask yourself those questions. Mm. Is this right? Is it right for me? And also go, okay, if I do this, how am I going to feel after? How's this gonna affect so-and-so? How's this gonna affect my mental well-being? Yeah, it takes a lot of willpower to stop yourself in that moment and ask those questions. Sometimes it's when you're doing it, Sometimes people can catch themselves and they're about to put the money over, you know, or send it via PayPal. Yep. And they're like, I just can't believe I did that. And in that moment you gotta pause. Yeah. Right? Other people, they don't have the willpower yet to stop at those incremental points. They get to the point where it's after and sometimes they have a dip, they have a dive, and the endorphin hit is dropped, of course. What goes up must come down. That elated experience is is kind of disintegrating. And in that moment, you know, they can feel great shame. Some Mm -hmm. people can. Uh, there's so many emotions that are involved in that you sometimes have to go through that to then get a little bit clearer sometimes it's a couple of days later to go okay I just did this again Mm. I've done this like for 20 years now or I've done this for 5 months now whatever it is for you because people have these patterns for long times often I need help Mm. number one is admitting that you need help
0: yeah that's brilliant
1: and then seeking that help. And I say you need to seek a trusted practitioner, whatever that looks for you, whether it's yeah, a coach or a psychologist, or even sometimes a friend or a trusted loved one, mm. but whoever you see, and ideally the professional as well as someone who you care about in your family, you got to have a rapport with them. Yep. you got about to be honest with them. Sometimes I have clients that come to me and they give me part of the story, and i can i already kind of can tune in and get a sense like i know they've come to me for a certain reason and they might not get to it until 40 minutes into a two-hour session because there's shame yes of course and and they're afraid of being judged because they judge themselves so deeply and that other person or that other part of them that they kind of describe it as often they describe it as this other part of me or someone people don't even know exists they haven't ever shown it to someone else before and as I said, these are people it's who tough. have been in this space for decades or for sometimes a long period of time. Mm. Normally when it's early days, you don't see the implications or the reactions or the, you know the reason why you need to get out of it. You think it's fine. So that's all hard and it's big, Mm. but it's those pauses that can really help with addiction in that sense, or breaking habits or breaking patterns that aren't serving you. Mm. Same thing in relationships if it's a toxic relationship.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: we have to essentially start to reprogram your old patterns and your old ways of thinking and doing things. And part of that is understanding sometimes why you do what you're doing, which means you ultimately, let's say, maybe you're seeing people you shouldn't be seeing or doing things you shouldn't be doing because you really want love. Mm. And you could perhaps work on the intimacy in your relationship that you already do have and help strengthen that so that you're getting that love from somewhere. Or maybe it's doing things for yourself that are healthier for you, whether it's seeing a professional, getting some exercise, maybe getting a massage or flotation therapy, something like that, that... You still feel a connection with someone and it might not be sexual, but it's going to nourish you. Or maybe it's just human interaction that you need. Mm. Fundamentally, a lot of us are suffering from trauma in some regards and whether that's not enough love or whether it was being smothered or whether it was being abandoned, whether it was being abused, um, sexually, verbally, physically, however it was, there are so many reasons that lead people to make choices that aren't healthy for themselves, that Mm. cause them harm. Sometimes people almost want to punish themselves then after doing it. So you might find someone that has an aggressive outburst because they were a, a child who was brought up in a very violent or neglectful home. They'll have an aggressive outburst and, you know, they'll hurt something or break something and then they'll stop for maybe a split second. And then they keep going again because they keep going because they feel guilty and they almost have to hurt themselves to punish themselves for making that.
0: Yes, so that's the steak, yes, so when you say some people, you 're literally talking about me right now, oh. like so so my addiction was, and still is to some degree food, Siobhan would say to some degree, all right, <laughs> all right we'll have a look in the mirror, but um it would be this thing of i 'm going to eat as much as I possibly can, you could feel the urge, you can feel the dopamine running through the brain, and then the next morning, I would train for four hours, two hours. Like it had to be just this very specific regimented training session. Mm-hmm. And if I wasn't brutally sore the next day, yeah. I'd have to do it again. Yeah. And it was crazy to me looking at that cycle for years and years and years and yeah. how like I was untangling all of that and being like, why did I ever do that stuff? You know? Yeah. But I, I, I kind of psychoanalyzed and realized that. Um, and I've spoken to dad about this, you know, but the external validation I received from dad when I was training really hard and playing football. Mm -hmm. And of course he has nothing to do with this, you know, dad's on his own journey. But um, what I, I guess, got from him, the way we connected when we were talking about footy and me training hard Mm -hmm. was clearly just something I didn't feel like I got from any other part of that relationship. Mm -hmm. And so then the food and the training would just segue into this kind of Thing, that I just wanted to be able to become closer mates with dad yeah it's amazing how that happens anyway it yeah it
1: is what's really amazing is that you were aware of it
0: well eventually <laughs> yes, yeah but
1: hey we gotta suffer yeah which sounds almost sadistic but part of the human condition thank you mm. architect yeah yeah but at least you have come out of other side and not only have you changed within yourself certain habits and you know, whether that was an addictive pattern or whatever, you now want to help others. Mm. Hello podcast. Yes. You know, true, true. And, and that to me is part of the beauty of this entire concept. And this is to get more esoteric. If you leave that kind of path and as a lifestyle, you devote your life to service mm. and you look at that and it's like, mm, that's the same with a true authentic tantric, yogic, Buddhist, Christian, Catholic, whatever it is, a true spiritual conscious path in any regard or a path that merges science and spirit, which the esotericism does. It's a path of service. Mm. You have to do that work within yourself to then serve others. It's kind of like, and we talk about this and there's stories or however you want to term it that explain this where you have to build the light within yourself, which means you've got to clear out your physical, emotional, mental layers. That light can pour through your mind, pour through your heart, Mm. pour through your body, right? Imagine if you're a clear pipe got to be able to come through you but then once you do that and you are living in a space of light you now awaken from the dream not living in the matrix see life for what it is realize Mm -hmm. this is not real all this stuff you then don't just go on your merry way and become the next buddha right you turn around and go back into the darkness and you extend a hand to someone else and you shine that Mm -hmm. light that you've cultivated into them and That's they're supposed awesome. to do their work and then so on and so forth and this is what loving other people is about mm. this is what being of service is about and this is what helping get over your suffering to help someone else get over their suffering is about so we start to, to weave, to seamlessly blend the authentic teachings that have come to this world teachings that are, you know date back to the Rishis the first existence of humanity ever right? right? that talked about this kind of stuff that then Christ through Jesus and the Buddha. Everyone's talked about it, but it's just been in, in different ways. It's mm. the same concepts that we still have not grasped because we're playing in the kiddie paddle pool with our mocktails and cocktails and- <laughs> Yes, food things. and champagne
0: and yeah. La, la, la. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's fun, you know, Yeah, <laughs> it's temporary, but yeah. But
1: even that concept of like, no, 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 like I've just got myself sorted out. I want to go do stuff. It's yeah. like, okay, but that doing stuff, are you being selfish mm. or selfless?
0: Yeah, what's it serving?
1: What's it serving? Who's it serving? And it's a very tricky fine line because some people are like, I have to take care of myself. And in certain points of our life, especially if we have been traumatized or something's gone on or one of our vehicles, that mind, that emotion, that physical body is not in a great space. Yes, you do need to take care of yourself. Mm. That's why they say you put on your oxygen mask first before someone else, because you have to be in that space to be able to help someone. Mm. But you're ultimately always working towards that to help someone not yeah. only working towards that to then buy a bigger car boat house yeah. own another business whatever it is mm. it's our intention it's our destination that is skewed our destination happiness is skewed
0: yeah yeah it's about what you're what you bringing those gifts illuminating, illuminating those gifts that you have and then giving them to that was the um the bodhisattvas that i learned from reading about buddhism you know that mm. the whole idea of wanting to attain Nirvana and all that sort of stuff which I actually believe means blow out where the ego just dissipates and you just this nothingness which is almost like what we're going to happen when we die really we don't
1: have your physical body anymore you work on other planes of consciousness oh right okay
0: okay but yeah yeah, exactly yeah Yeah. but um, I love the idea of the Bodhisattvas the ones who you know had reached these higher states of consciousness but actually stayed behind to lift everyone else up which is awesome and in the right ways because they had hit that spot yeah
1: and that's what a Bodhisattva is Mm. and that's That's the beauty of it. Some of some of the greats have chosen to reach that point and then stay to help humanity, whether you believe that or not, whether you think it's a fable or a myth or whether it's a truth, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The concept is there, it Mm. still has a teaching, a lesson for us Mm -hmm. that we can really ponder or muse on, as I say to my clients. Yes. To to start kind of sitting with that and questioning therefore our own actions, our own motivation, Mm. our own choices. And this is the thing that people don't do. We don't bring consciousness and discernment to our choices. We just react. Yeah. We react with our physical desires because that, that feels good. And we react with our emotional desires because we're angry and that person needs to know about it. Mm. you know. And then we react with our thoughts and make judgments and critique ourselves and others and da 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 and it's non-stop. Mm. And then we're just like this out-of-control machine. Essentially, I look at us in that space as being the puppet and we're being puppet-mastered by what we call in esoteric psychology the personality nature or in orthodox like Jung would have spoken about it as the ego. Yep. It's controlling as opposed to you controlling it. Mm. So those three vehicles I've talked about your physical, your emotional, your mental bodies, those three combined we say in esoteric psychology are your personality. Right. Orthodox psych, traditional psych will say that's your ego. Yeah. You know, and nearly everyone walking the face of the earth is controlled by that. Yeah. And they're perpetually bombarded by social media by publications, by television, by the movies, by everything to keep being in that place. Yes. Because therefore, we're not using our discernment. We're not using our conscious mind. We're not making conscious choices and changing. Mm. We're much easier to control. Mm. We're much easier to kind of keep in a nice or uniform line and they can do what they want, manipulating the system, choosing who they want to be prime minister and president. <laughs> yeah. And all this jazz. I mean, there's so much out there right now. You can, you can start to begin to see there is mm. a tiny rising it's a tiny rising because intergalactically, if you want to call it, or astrologically, we've shifted from a time of Pisces, which is the me, my, I period. Every kind of 2,200 years, we have a shift. You yeah. know, Any astrologer should know this. And now we're in the age of Aquarius. And Aquarius is the humanitarian. Aquarius is the water bearer. Bringing water to the thirsty humanity, right? right? We're here to wake up and change and help each other grow. And if you don't believe the astrological or the scientific side, then just take a look around. How many movements have started in the last few years? From Me Too to even crowdfunding and crowdsourcing and Trying to build platforms that are going to help each other.
0: That's true. You look mm. at,
1: you know, even big systems like hollow, that's trying to build a distribution system as opposed to like these centralized systems that we see like banks and stuff like that. Mm. New systems that are being built on top of things like that. There's an amazing organization called Junto, which is like Facebook times a million better because there's no vanity metrics. We're getting rid of things that don't serve people anymore. We're trying to, to wake up and help each other and change. People like Marianne Williamson running for a president in America, mm-hmm. bringing spiritual values. Yeah, totally You know? Yeah. I mean, p- wish her all the best Bloody for earth. that. Yeah. You know, we can't do anything. We're not citizens of America, so we can't pay to support. If you're in America right Crowdfund now... Crowdfund America. Can, you can pay <laughs> and contribute and, and help Marianne get the hair. I'm, I'm not sponsored by Marianne by any means. Yeah. I'm just saying... This podcast is.
0: <laughs> and plastic. <laughs>
1: All these things are happening Mm. because we are slowly waking up. We are slowly starting to question and go, yeah, I want to do a five minute beach cleanup and clean the plastic up off the oceans. Mm. I want to support to like fight things like Adani coal mines being developed, you know, near the Galilee Basin in, you know, northeast Queensland and stuff in Australia, because I don't want the whole reef and all the waterways polluted in this country, this island that I live in. Sure. And we've got to understand that what's happening here in Australia compared to like wars that are happening, you know, in the Middle East we're all connected the earthquake that happens in bali affects us here like this is part of that love one another you know and Mm. if we start to understand how interconnected like one luminous fabric that we are we'll start to make wiser choices Mm. because we realize that if you get better over there in your country we can get better here in our country Mm. sometimes we've got to clean up our own stuff first but then once we've got our light we go help someone else sometimes the way around in order to get more light we have to go help someone else yeah. It helps
0: us wake up. I like that you said that because I, I was I was really trying to figure out why some people are so kind of geared towards helping other people. You know, for, like I'm, I I um, wrote a lot about the resentment that I had towards my dad when I was kind of working through these issues, and Dad and I spoke all the time about it. You know, and Dad's just naturally a giving individual, and he makes himself feel better when he's helping other people, and I'm a selfish. Or, or put put the word in there, you know, like oxygen mask. Thank you. Sorry, Alex, you know. And I was trying to figure out, well, but do you have to figure yourself out first before you do all these other things? And um, I like that you said that, um, that you don't actually. There are people yeah. that um, help others by helping themselves.
1: Absolutely. Mm. And we have to understand there isn't a one size fits all. Some people aren't gonna have a wake up when they're twenty and a near death experience like I did and realise, oh my gosh, I cannot be an international model and foreign correspondent journalist anymore. It has no purpose. Yeah. Okay. My heart flatlined four times. Really? Yeah.
0: Holy shit. What happened what happened?
1: Well, segue I suppose. But I'm just gonna say wake ups don't always hit us in the same way and therefore we're not always gonna feel desire to help or Mm. help ourselves in any specific order. It just needs to happen in some way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. As for my wake-up, I suppose, uh, for the record, I started modeling when I was seven, something I loved, I wanted to do, I wasn't pushed into it, I actively chose mm-hmm. to do it. It's been amazing, you know, from learning how to speak, to connect with people, know myself in different ways, it really served me. Mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to go to New York when I was 16, I turned it down because I wanted to finish my high school education. And then I kind of had an ultimatum for my father that, you know, you can't go off now and full-time model, you need to like do your degree, right, so yeah. I did my undergrad degree first. And then I went off and did it full time, the whole time, part time and things here and there, but I didn't stay overseas for long periods of time. But when I was 20, 21, I went overseas and was modeling full time. I had a partner at the time, so I was away from someone I loved. I was away from my family, speaking foreign language, the whole change. I was working very hard. I was exercising very hard at the same time. Yeah. I ate to the best of my ability, You know, somewhat a vegetarian diet over there, I suppose then. Uh, I didn't drink. Never touched a drug in my oh, life.
0: Wow, that's brilliant! By the oh, way, oh amazing! Holy shit! It's the
1: good mushrooms. Oh
0: my god! Yeah, <laughs> that was my first sip. That's bloody good. Segway after a segway. <laughs> now we're talking about mushrooms. Yeah. So um, just on
1: the top of not taking drugs, they exactly, now give people exactly. amazing elixir mushroom drinks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, god damn it. Reishi and matsutake and all those yummy things. Cordyceps, lion's mane. That's awesome. Um, so I wasn't. I wasn't run down because I was taking any substances by any means no no sex no drugs no rock and roll none of that but I was physically pushing myself to the limit I was I believe utterly emotionally and physically exhausted yep. and also intellectually starved I tried to write some articles and send them off and get them published I also discovered Buddhism kind of like helped down a bit at WESOC and helped you know kind of connect a little bit with the community probably not as much as I wanted because I was working so hard I mean you would yeah. do a shoot and it was like 8 hours and then you'd come home and you'd eat and you'd want to exercise yep. which is nuts You know, but that was a lifestyle. Had the ultimatum from the boyfriend around our anniversary and my 22nd birthday. Came back to Australia, and within a few days, I was hospitalized. Jesus. I was like tested for everything, didn't know what was wrong with me. I eventually, um, was noted to have had a cyst on my ovary that ruptured and these toxins kind of went in my body and my heart being very slow resting because I'm disgustingly healthy as the cardiologist said, decided to just, That's know, nice. nice. Like, I know, great <laughs> yeah, isn't it? You're too right? healthy. Yeah. Eat some more shit. <laughs> my heart flatlines, yeah, four times and each time, God. I think the, the longest was around 30 second marks. So no brain damage, apparently. I'm completely normal. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, enough for obviously to scare the hell out of my parents because by the time they were both at the hospital um i was fought to my partner time his father was quite respected in in the medical industry and it was a doctor there and he made sure i was looked after which was a, a real blessing mm. you know but in that time you know after getting out of intensive care and obviously my heart starting again each time on its own which was great yeah, um yeah. i was cleared with all of that it was really just yes the physical body had to heal because you cut open there was surgery but Who I thought I was, Mm. you know, like a girlfriend and uh, an international model or just a model in general, which I never call myself that, but you know, in the modeling world Mm -hmm. and a foreign correspondent journalist, all those things were actually taken. My boyfriend left me. I wasn't going to be able to get myself ready to walk probably for fashion week at the time or at least do jobs straight away. I couldn't get a real job with my degree as it was called. I wasn't in a space to do anything. I couldn't even like tuck the sheets out of my bed, let alone shave my legs or wash my hair. You know, I had to get help with that kind of thing, let alone drive a car. Yeah, yeah. So I say this this was my dark night of the soul. This was my wake up because it was at that time. And I remember very vividly two things that kind of got me out of this what the hell is this t- deep pool of darkness I'm drowning in? Mm. Chicken coop I ate as well, because I couldn't really leave home besides oh, the letterbox, yes. you know. Uh, one of those was going back to these techniques I did when I studied theatre and acting. And there was a. Kind of, I guess, a master teacher who was called Konstantin Stanislavski, who taught a characterization technique. And lots of actors are said to use it now. Apparently, Kate Winslet used the technique, apparently, Johnny Depp and okay. um, a few others have used the technique. But it was a series of questions. And these questions are you, as the actor, asking about these questions, trying to understand the character of who you're about to embody. Hilary Swank was apparently another one that's used mm. them. And the questions are who am I? What do I want? What do I have to do to get what I want? And what obstacles must I overcome?
0: Brilliant. And I was
1: like, the character, the, yeah, it's all me. Like, I need to yeah, yeah. answer these questions. And yeah, that's when I realized I wasn't any of these things. Because they're just titles. They're just labels. That's not who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm not what I do. I'm not who I'm with. None of that stuff was... was not that it wasn't just real, you know, in, in a superficial level. It wasn't anything... Tangible, And it yep. didn't have what I really wanted more than anything, which was like, you know, ultimate love, ultimate connection, yeah. ultimate service. And I didn't understand that capacity then. Of course. I was 22 course, yeah. and I knew there was a massive crossroads. And when something is taken out, like if anyone's trying to break a habit, you take something out, you got to put something in. Mm. I had a conversation with my auntie at the time, who lives in the UK. And this is before Facebook, right? So I would communicate with my loved ones when I was modeling around via Epic Emails. Oh yeah. Like, you know, the journey of the model. Yeah. And she was like, why don't you take your fab emails and turn them into a fab book? Oh, that's you cool. Know? So I was like, purpose. I had a reason to get up every day. All of a sudden it was going to the office, like next door to my bedroom, as opposed to <laughs> putting on clothes and doing a photo shoot or trying to do a story. Mm. And so I devoted myself to this and part of it was all consuming. And I kind of was the character. It wasn't the character. Cause I was compiling emails of, my modelling life and trying to then go is this going to be the Elise Carr story I'm like I am not Cindy Crawford or Elle McPherson, bless them <laughs> but I can't be that so I'm going to have to fictionalise it anyway 12 and a half years on I'm now looking for the right publisher and literary agent for that um, it's been shelved many times on the way but it served its purpose then Nuts. just to get me out of that darkness mm. until I was ready to get a real job go back and do my masters in communications and cultural politics and women's studies and move to france for a while and die again to be reborn again and find my way and eventually get all these pieces of paper and experience to then create Stella news yeah and the offerings that i do now and the study and practice i do now with the sacred guidance like psychology for the soul kind of work and the tantra mm. and all that but if this didn't happen you know like all these years ago now like i could have been stuck in a space that didn't have purpose and passion and connection maybe in a relationship that wouldn't serve me Mm. so i guess i share this so people can understand that there are opportunities that come from the greatest suffering that we experience for some people it's the death of a loved one or the death of a relationship or their own illness or sometimes it's being made redundant or you know their house being burnt down i mean sometimes it takes big things for us to wake up. Yeah. Sometimes people just have these little epiphanies and a realization when they're walking on the street one day, they're like, Whoa, I'm not going to work today. (laughs) I'm going to do that startup. I want to do it happens to people in different ways, but often somewhat when you're on a conscious path, normally there is something that will either make you hit rock bottom or make you completely turn your thought pattern around and, you realize you don't necessarily know how you're going to do it, but you've got to do something else. Yeah. yeah. And even that will be the journey Mm. to get you to the next bit to then serve how you want to serve. But I guess the the bigger picture of this is that there is beauty and pain. It's very bittersweet. And in those dark times, sometimes having that realization that there is something that's going to come of this, something more beautiful and true and amazing then you perhaps even realize. Mm. And that can be very hard when we're in very dark places and we feel utterly alone, utterly misunderstood, not knowing where to turn. Mm. It's sometimes if we can just find one little thing. For me, it was starting to write my book. But for some people, it could just be a conversation. I mean, that came from a conversation. Yep. You know, we have to find the lifelines that are there to somehow help pull ourselves out of those holes, mm. you know. And then... It, your whole life can open up into a different space, a different dimension, if you want to call it, a different experience.
0: Yeah, but it is a different reality because you're literally not the person that you were. This is the, one of the reasons why I love doing this podcast so much. Is number one, thank you so much for sharing that because that's yeah. legendary. And I've I've heard other people that have gone through similar things. I had a conversation with David Jeeves, a meditation teacher, and he was telling me about his awakening. And you look at it now, you can call it awakening because, you know, you look at how that happened for you to become the person who you are now, you can just see it in very simplified terms. Am I happier? Do I have more meaning? Do I have more connection? Yes, yes, yes. Well, it happened for me then, you know, it it doesn't matter what, how you want to say it, but it did. It was a good thing. He was working in the World Trade Centers yeah and um it, you know that happened and for some reason he he wasn't in on the day it happened or whatever you know yeah. and he was kind of walking around Manhattan um I think like a week after or something and he he'd felt lost he felt you know he was going through a depression he would call it a depression now yeah. um you'd obviously when you're in the depression it's kind of like you feel something's missing but you don't really know not exactly not everyone knows
1: it's dep- some people do some people don't yeah, you, yeah. Can,
0: you can't just be like oh this is depression now what do I do yeah Anyway, for his his awakening, he was walking past um, a series of kind of Places where homeless people were living. They were just living on the street, yeah. um, cardboard boxes and things. One of the homeless people grabbed his arm and, for whatever reason, just looked him in the eye and was like, What's going to be on your tombstone? And he just shook him, like drastically That's shook him. Yeah, and it just went in and
1: he. As a sign. Yeah. Like, this is a sign in Neon online Massive, yeah. massive
0: sign of just like, Wow, like who or what is trying to t- teach me something, you know? And then he went into this space and he started just meditating in caves and he moved to India all this while he still had a wife and she's still with him which is just an awesome relationship that's
1: incredible yeah
0: yeah just that like pure love um is just the freedom to be able to let someone be someone and for her to do that was just they must really love each other that's what I got from the podcast
1: that is actual love
0: exactly yeah Yeah. Yeah.
1: selfless service on her behalf Mm. to allow him you can say in some ways but to be able to stand in her truth knowing that's the right thing to do it needs to happen you know that in itself
0: to me is incredibly powerful yeah as
1: well as his story too but just oh no definitely both well then.
0: that i think that what's actually a um a good point that i'd love you to touch on um part of the punt is there are a lot of fellows that listen to this podcast yeah. and i'd love from the from the woman's perspective just describe what love really is mm. you know and also someone that studies this as well like if you give yeah. us like a definition then kind of talk around i think it'd be sure, good sure
1: sure when we talk about it I guess at the purest point, we have touched on it being selfless service. Yep. But if we're going to bring this a bit more tangible and bring it home and, and understand how we can bring it into our current or future relationship, having love for someone else, as we know, starts with communication. And on a simple, this is super simple, right? Mm-hmm. Logical, but not always easy to implement. Yep. So let's be real in that regards. But being able to say what you want to say when the time is right and knowing how to say it, because mm. let's just say you know she comes home from work. If you're in a relationship with a woman, and you know she's had a massive day, and you've had a massive day too, and you just want to tell her all about it, or whatever it is. That's like, one's the other way around. I mm-hmm. know. But if we pounce on each other straight away, we're not giving the other space to just be. Take a moment, kind of almost like let go of that outside role, whatever it's been, and then get into the role of lover or mother or companion or whatever. Sometimes just having respect for each other's boundaries as individuals helps set up a better opportunity for intimacy Mm. in the relationship. And this sounds a bit weird, but to be honest, from a woman's perspective, and I say this personally and professionally, women are kind of like cold water. You know, you pour them into the kettle, you turn the kettle on, (laughs) you give it time to warm up. Guys are like fire most, Mm -hmm. right? Let's say in, in the average age range. They're unlike that. Mm-hmm. So we have to understand the That's duality. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. duality. And we talk about this in tantra of the masculine feminine essence. And no matter if, if you're in a homosexual relationship or not, there's still masculine and feminine at play. We have both duality within ourselves. Yeah. And that dynamic very much so in a relationship. So we have to work with that. You can't expect your beloved to be like you, just like women can't expect men to know what they want. Mm-hmm. They have to learn to lovingly and kindly ask or express or share. And men also need to learn to understand that women aren't programmed like them. Mm-hmm. That what might feel great for them, or that they just want to dive into, let's say, genital touch. Mm-hmm. Most women don't want that unless they are already turned on. Mm-hmm. And even, and I'm going to be really candid here. Even if a woman appears to be turned on physically, that does not mean that she's turned on emotionally and mentally. For a woman to be fully feeling like she is loved in an intimate, romantic, we want to term it, sexual setting. She needs to be turned on on those three levels. Mm -hmm. For most women, they don't even realize that's an option. And they just kind of give in and go, yeah, I'm turned on enough. He wants it. We'll just go for it. And it could be nice and she can have an orgasm and that's fine. And it just stays kiddie paddle pool as opposed to like deep dive. And I'm not saying you need to last 10 hours. This isn't about, you know, tantric lovemaking, whatever the Western terms that as being. It's about actually connecting with her. Mm. So we're going to bring in love in this because it's going to be selfless. It's not going to be like what I can get. I feel like I'm talking to you like this. No, <laughs> I, I, the poor I'm, guy It's good.
0: I'm, I'm learning heaps, yeah. It's, it's not about... Not to say that I'm... <laughs> <laughs>
1: Take this back to your beloved yes yes definitely it's, it's not about what you get it's not about your pleasure it's actually about her mm. or your partner let's say let's say from the man's perspective though right and he's with a woman in this scenario so what does she need what does she want how can i give her what she wants because here's the key that most men don't realize when a woman can receive in that space all that she needs she opens she unfurls however you want to term it i'm using pretty flowery speak here i know mm-hmm in a way that then she can't help but kind of overflow and pour that into you. Mm. And we're talking about, in a tantric sense here, there is an exchange of energy. And we speak about when it comes to bringing true tantric principles into lovemaking because they don't have to involve sex at all, there's a misconception there. Right. But if we have an exchange, it's the woman's heart gives to the man's heart. And then the man's heart to his genitals and his genitals to her genitals. And so we have this flow. Oh, uh, no. Right? But it normally just stays with genitals. We're lucky if any heart comes involved, let alone mind, connection, let alone actually get to a state of intimacy and oneness. You know? And for those that aren't, like, watching this, I'm thinking of, like, you know, genitals and at the base of your palm. Heart is in when your palms are flat together. And then when your mind's involved, when there's a connection, a real spark, it's like prayer hands. Mm-hmm. And then we class them together when you have that real unity, that oneness, when all of you is merging in every way it can. That's a closer experience of tantra. That doesn't have to be sexual, but it can be, mm. right? But backtracking a little bit to like love in relationships, you have to understand who that person is before you. Yeah. That person as, yes, a woman, let's say, but also as a soul. Maybe sometimes she has a really hard job. Maybe sometimes she's a mother. Maybe sometimes she's a lover. She can't just turn on lover mode because you're ready. Mm -hmm. So what does she need to soften, to slow down, to feel loved, seen, cherished, and heard? Right? And you probably start with like being heard, seen, cherished, and then she's going to feel loved. Mm. But if you don't listen to her, you know, and I'm not saying if she's abusing you that you need to listen to this.
0: There we go. Uh, We're Mr. back Reagan. We're back Yes
1: It's not as if You stand there and tolerate any abuse I'm not talking about that But just, just hear what she needs to say She might have to express something And guys find it really hard They find it uncomfortable sometimes Because it might not be about you mm-hmm. She just has to say What the frig's going on mm-hmm. You know And you're like Oh my god Whoa too much Gonna watch the beer With the footy And yeah. more beer
0: Yeah Watch the beer Drink yeah. the footy Yeah this what we do Exactly It's yeah.
1: been five beers And I've lost yeah. whatever What beer? Sorry Exactly <laughs> um, To understand what she needs understand her because this isn't just about you this is why I wear this Russian wedding ring as well for those watching it's like three rings in one and to me it reminds us that there is you there is them and there's the relationship
0: nice
1: you want her to be in this relationship you want her to be sexy and turned on and give you a strip tease or anything like that then invest in her Mm. just as she has to invest in you and then we have to invest in the relationship so this why I said about the time give people time to be themselves nurture them as well listen Help each other, guide each other, nurture each other, support each other, and then do all that in a relationship. If you're not putting time and effort into the relationship, if you're not having like date nights, sometimes even scheduling lovemaking, which sounds very unromantic, but sometimes it's necessary. If you're not making it non-negotiable, phones away, children are in bed if you have them, whatever the scenario is, make it all about her tonight, all about you next Friday, whatever. You're not going to be investing in their relationship. Yeah. And it can look different. Sometimes it's date night going out to a show or a band or a mini break, you know, but you have to invest in that. That yeah. is also love because we're working towards a state of intimacy, working towards a state of feeling seen and heard and held and cherished. And ultimately women, the foundation, the bedrock of a lot of this stuff is feeling safe, mm. safe that they can trust you enough to show you who they really are and safe enough that, if anything goes wrong, you're going to be able to be here and help sort it out. Yeah. That you're not going to leave them. There's the abandonment stuff too. And for some women, that can go back to their fathers or it can go back to previous relationships. Or it could just be this innate thing within them that they, they can't quite put the finger on why, but there's fear of that. It really goes through you know humanity in a sense mm. because women often don't feel like they can do it as easily on their own. And I don't mean to be sexist and I'm not saying this is for everyone, but some women deep down, they would love to have that man to help them just deep down. Most men, if we're talking heterosexual, would love to have that woman to help them. Yeah, that And sure. touch to sometimes if it's making beautiful food or do whatever she does to make the space just incredible. It's different to if it was just the boys club.
0: For sure. The way I describe so, it is that, um, it, it, it allows me to get out of this and into this, like yeah. so much of this, which I would say is kind of, um, masculinity or whatever it is whatever you want to say maybe it's just me but like thinking and problem solving and want to do my mission and purpose and then i find jujitsu and do this and then yeah. i'm like oh. you know just yeah. having that femininity approach is just like oh cool like there's other things in life yeah. chill
1: we call that in esoteric psychology the concrete mind and it can be masculine if you term it but many women have it too yeah. i have it as well especially if you're quite analytical you want to get stuff done mm. you're quite logical whether it's a business mind mathematical scientific or whatever And if we're functioning there all the time and it's separated from heart, then we are gonna have a disconnect. Mm. The idea that we talked about with those three vehicles, your physical, your emotional, your mental, they're in alignment, they're Mm. in harmony. So just like we have to nourish the three parts of our relationship, our beloved, ourselves, and the relationship, we've gotta do that work that ourselves bit is nourishing our physical, emotional, and mental. And sometimes we do that on our own, sometimes we help someone else, sometimes we do it together. Yep. Right, but there are those components that have to have a healthy balance. Yes, and and the heart doesn't just have to be feminine as such. It can be extremely powerful. I mean, how powerful would it be if we actually all were selflessly giving of ourselves around the world? Mm. You know, you wouldn't necessarily even turn that masculine or feminine. But there is a gentleness to it. And that's why we have to also be gentle, normally with women too. Now, I'm not mm. saying there aren't women out there who just want to be thrown down and had, and it's just, that's the best, that's all they want. And then they don't even need to know your name. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Pardon the pun. Uh, no, i
0: very well played. Oh, five points. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: but deep, deep down, when we work through perhaps those issues or layers that make us want those lower nature desires, those primal instincts, if we mm. actually get to a place of heart, we all do want to intimately connect with heart. We Definitely. want to be loved. We want to be seen and held and cherished. We want people to like be able to like pull us apart and know that that precious part of us yep. is safe and it's going to be looked after, you know. Mm. We all want that even if we don't know it yet and even if we aren't there yet, we want that. Yes. So how do we work towards that? That's what we've got to really answer. How do we get towards that part? Mm. And to be honest, it takes time and effort. Yep. And you've got to want to do it. Do you really want to get to know the person who you're in a relationship with? Do you actually really want to love them for who they are? Knowing that they're like a diamond just like you are, multifaceted, darkness and light, beautiful shiny points, rougher points, that is them in all their glory. We have to embrace that too. Mm. Knowing that, you know, some of those rough points might, you know, in time, be polished up because they do work and you do work and we polish up together, right? But it's not easy. It's not done overnight. Relationships take work. Yeah. But we have to understand if we don't put work in, it's not gonna happen in and of itself.
0: Yeah, and I think even what you said before about how like, you know, for for men wanting to, you know, be more you don't have to say spiritually involved, but just want to have a better connection with their their girlfriend or, or whatever it is, like you said, homosexual relationships as well. Um, you said, you know, they do need to take time and you do need to actually just bring it down and you know, they need to be seen and all these things. I think these run true for, for males as well. 100%. I know for me that I definitely feel more connected with Siobhan when I feel like I've just given the time to just, because I think I, the way I try to work through things is very much um, through just, you know, saying all different sorts of things. I'm like, thank you so much for listening to that. That may probably no sense to you, but just cheers for just like having that space yeah. for me. Like, I think yeah. that's like a, a male and a female it thing, is. you know, mm. It is
1: definitely. It just often starts if we're wanting the end game to be better sex or we want yes. intimacy, then men have to know they have to do that work first. For sure. But deep down, like I said, we all want the same thing. Mm. We all want to be seen and heard and loved and cherished. Yeah. But if the man isn't going to be bringing that to the table, normally to start with with a woman, let's say she is more closed up and she isn't probably as sexual or adventurous or doesn't want to be seen naked. There's all those kind of things that sometimes women struggle with. Mm-hmm. Men too. Often it's women. Yeah. But to make her feel safe in the first place. To heat the room, to put on some candles, to have made her dinner or to give her a foot massage just because in front of the television before you even go to bed. Mm. Maybe you end up having a shower together. The key is honestly, when we get back to that kettle and the, the water, you know, as the woman, it foreplay, let's say, starts at the beginning of the day. Mm. It starts with a snuggle in the bed before you both bound out of bed with your alarms or it starts with making her warm lemon water. It's a nice one for you. Like, you start your day with warm lemon water. Yes. You know, it's a little text or a little email, a little just because phone call, coming home with, you know, a single flower that you, you know, didn't pick from the next door neighbor's garden. Have you bought it? Whatever it is. And doing little things because you're slowly warming her up and she's feeling safe and seen, even if you're not in the same room and presence physically together. Mm. All this is warming up, warming up. So that by the time, you know, the end of the night comes and you've done dinner and bits and bobs or put the kids to bed or whatever it is you need to do, she's feeling much more unfurled softer, receptive for that advance or for that connection, Mm. that's different as well. Whereas guys, as I said, turned on most of the time at any time relatively easily, especially if there's just straight up genital touch and then we're on. For sure, yeah. Most women want a different connection. They wanna be seen and heard first. Guys don't necessarily need that first. They Mm -hmm. need it in general. But in an intimate relationship, they might not need it first.
0: Yeah, right. That makes sense. And then
1: to not just straight up go for breasts or genitals, Mm. but to actually go, you know, for neck kisses or shoulder massage or her inner thigh or understand that women have many different erogenous zones and or erogenous, however you want to pronounce it. But men love going for the, the standard tactile places because mm-hmm. they just know it works, but it might not for work. For us. I mean, they're great yeah, places. They are great <laughs> so places and women love it. Yeah. But to warm her up, to get to that place makes that even more mm. erotic, turned on, sexy, juicy, however you want to term it. And will make the rest of the play, the rest of the experience, the rest of the, the love deeper as well. Definitely. So there's a few things, I suppose, to that. Mm. Yeah.
0: That's brilliant. Look. It's it's 5% battery life at the moment and I reckon we could talk for probably another 10 years at the moment, but, um, this is why we can just have you back on the show in a couple of months and all that sort of thing. Sure. But, um, what are you currently doing now? Are you doing retreat? I think you're doing a retreat coming up, are you? Potentially.
1: Potentially. potentially if not the end of this year, okay. um, we might be running at the beginning of next year. Brilliant. I, at the moment am doing a lot of my one-on-one work, which is with the sacred guidance, which is psychology for the soul, the tantra and also healing. That's for my practice in Melbourne, but also all around the world via Skype. My clients are everywhere, mm. you know, so that's easily done. And the other, kind of thing is working on the book, you know, but you can get a free ebook and lots of videos, my podcast as well. Sacred Guidance with Stella Muse on all good podcast platforms where you can tune into to answer other questions. Yeah.
0: Brilliant. Thanks so much for coming on the show again. Thank you. So good. Beautiful. Legend. (laughs) And that's a wrap guys. All right, guys. Bloody good. Hey, just literally an hour and nine minutes of value. I was just sitting there the whole time going, hmm because mm, I didn't, I didn't want to say anything. I just, I, I love the way, you know, I love Elise's passion. Her passion just drives through the way she talks and it's good because she lives it. She, she lives and breathes, you know, this is truly what she, what she's into and people can be good at things, but it's not what they do. People do things, but they're not actually good at it, but she's got both together and that's really awesome. Um, So you won't, that won't be the last of Elise. We'll get her back on the show Um, every couple of months. I, I don't know. Who, who knows what will happen, but, um, she's just a ton of knowledge and I want to keep learning off her. So she's brilliant guys. Um, I think that's all. I think that's all. Yeah. If you're enjoying the podcast, give it a rating and review. If you're enjoying it, but you can't be bothered giving it a rating and review, that's totally fine. I still, I'm, I'm still giving you a virtual hug right now. Uh, and I will speak to you next week for episode 60.